بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد In our last session we were discussing uh, the various uh, types of narcissism and how to deal with it if one feels and senses that they have this issue as we discussed that narcissism is feeling uh, a person themselves to feel within themselves that they are something ujub in arabic to deem the bless to deem that the blessings one has uh, whether that be intellect whether that be beauty whether that be having being from a certain family living in a certain area something that a person has and is blessed with to consider that to be so tremendous and then begin relying on it as something intrinsic and then forgetting who gives it to you which is the giver the wahhab allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so essentially it's being preoccupied with the blessing away from the giver of the blessing so to focus too much on the blessing in oneself as opposed to the giver of it that's what essentially narcissism was was when it gives an outward expression and uh, you start using it and humiliating others degrading others looking down upon others being stubborn and rejecting the truth because of what you have then that becomes kibr and arrogance so it starts off necessarily as na- it starts off as narcissism and ends up as kibr uh, and arrogance so the author is saying that the most despicable type of narcissism obviously it has many forms the one which is the most despicable type is to be impressed with one's own incorrect opinion you can see how many problems there are you got an incorrect opinion but you're stubborn on it and you're impressed about it that in itself just shows you how complex the problem is there's a number of complexities that have come together and it's all negative when complexities come together and they're positive then that's a great thing that's an achievement but when they're negative then it's a big problem especially when it's an incorrect opinion and then by that one becomes elated excited and then they persist upon it right now you can see how the hole is being dug and it's only getting deeper you become Number one, impressed by one's own incorrect opinion. Okay, you might not know. So you're impressed on it. You could be maybe forgiven that you have an incorrect opinion. Then one becomes excited about it. Which means that you are owning it now. Right? Then persist upon it and to remain on that for a longer time. Not just for a short while. And then does not even heed the sincere advice of others. So there is now you've just closed yourself out. Now you've made yourself insular and now there is no possibility of rectification because now you've closed out any kind of outward advice. We can all be wrong. We could all get excited about our position even if we are wrong. But upon being corrected, we should definitely correct ourselves. You could be forgiven. People could be forgiven for being wrong and being excited about being wrong if you don't know you're wrong. But when you're advised by somebody else, 
and you still don't accept it, or you're not willing to even seek advice, so you don't even, you've closed the door. You think you're right, and you think you can't be wrong. One is you think you're right, and you don't know that you're wrong. The other one is, you think, sorry, you think you're right, but you know it could be a mistake. Meaning, you do believe that I could make mistakes. The other one is that you are wrong and you don't believe that you will you are wrong and you don't leave any room to be corrected because that's just not a possibility that I could be wrong in this you will actually a lot of people never say this they actually think this but some people actually say it. no no I know in this I'm not wrong I can't be wrong I don't want to listen to you rather he sees others as ignorant and unintelligent and he seals his fate that way that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, or then the one for whom his wretched act is adorned. His a'mal, his act, becomes adorned to make it look nice and good and correct and valid. Such that he deems it good and beautiful. فَرَآهُ hasana, زُيِّنَ لَهُمْ أَعْمَالِهِمْ And then فَرَآهُ Hasana, he sees it nice, it looks nice. Now, uh, this is actually a salient feature of all deviant sects. Right? Because what is reality? Right? Reality is that which is considered to be, according to the knowledge of Allah, what is correct. That's reality. So ma fi ilmillah, that which is in Allah's knowledge, that something is like this. For example, let's just say that somebody uttered some really complex words to their wife. And then they're wondering whether it's a divorce or not. Some muftis say, yes, I think that's a divorce. Others say, no, I don't think it's a divorce. It was done in some other language, not in Arabic, not in English, some other language. And they're all wondering whether it is said in the present continuous tense or whether it's said in the future tense and how was it and all of these things matter so there can be a difference of opinion now according to Allah is he do you think he could be divorced and not divorced as well based on what the two scholars are saying or the reality needs to be one the reality has to be one right there can only be one truth that it's either this or that he may not be or he may be only Allah knows so that which is in the knowledge of Allah is the waqi' in Arabic. It's that, the reality. That's the reality. Our job is to try to find that reality and to try to be in conformance with that reality. That, that's what we want our life to be, as truthful as possible. And the people who are the most truthful, uh, who, have, who are the most sincere in their truthfulness, are the Siddiqeen. That's why they have a special maqam. Siddiqeen wa shuhada wa salihin. They are one of the elect. So all sects of reprehensible innovation, misguidance, they persist upon their deviation only due to being impressed with their own opinion. You know, there's numerous things I'm sure we've had this experience in our life that we thought something was a particular way for months. And then something was present to us, presented to us differently. And then we understood, hey, I was wrong. It's not this way. And sometimes I've even seen it after years. For years you've thought of something. You may have not done anything with it, you just thought of something in a particular way. 
you never thought you could be wrong and then suddenly you discover something to find out that hey I was wrong there is another caveat another possibility here a lot of the time we may be wrong about something and generally the people who are trying to correct us we don't trust them so you put that barrier up that because I don't trust them I can't trust anything they say as well there has to be a difference between those two things we have to separate those things in our mind I may not like that person I may, they may have an agenda they may be biased yes right they may not they may be subjective but at the end of the day is what they're saying could that be right if I discount some of the exaggeration and some of the vitriol, some of the poison in there, some of the arrogance in there, at base level, is what they're saying right or wrong? Don't shut, shut it off just because it's an enemy who's saying that or an opponent who's saying it. The pursuit for truth means that we must be able to remove the barriers to truth. And the barriers to truth are enmity, Jealousy, arrogance, stubbornness, these are all barriers to the truth. I mean, think about it on a practical level. If we're stubborn, we're going to be less prone to listen to the truth, less open to it. If we are jealous of somebody, less likely that we want to listen to them because it means that they are right, we're wrong. And we're supposed to be putting them down in our sight because we're jealous of what they have. This is a complex life, isn't it? It's very complex. Subhanallah. Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi alayhi, he says, I warn you three times. I warn you three times. Instead of saying, I warn you, I warn you, I warn you, I warn you three times about the repulsive vices of the heart that predominate. Now, he, he singles out here the so called scholars of the time, the so called scholars of the time. May Allah protect us from this. But he singles them out. That's his fraternity. So he feels very concerned about them. So he speaks about them. He says, especially the repulsive vices of the heart that predominate the so-called scholars of the time. Now, as scholars are human beings, the vices that they have, everybody else could also have. Because it's, you know, scholars don't have a particular type of... They're still human beings at the end of the day, at the base of it. And all of these vices we have because of our human nature and human weakness and failing. Um, it's just perpetuated by certain positions you're in. So if you're a scholar, then you're in a particular position. There may be some rivalry, some competition. Likewise, um, you know, you, you, there may be some other unique features about it. But otherwise, at the base of it, it's all human, right? So he says that, yes, I want to warn you three times about the repulsive vices of the heart that predominate the so-called scholars of the time. Truly destructive vices that are the roots of all immorality. Ya Allah. And he mentioned the three, envy, ostentation, and narcissism. They're all pretty much the same. It's all about showing off and fame and gain and wanting to be heard and wanting to be seen. And yes, when you're a scholar, you get respect, right? Because you're public. Not, you have a possession that everybody respects. You have a, posi uh, you have a, you have a possession, uh, an asset, which people would love to have. They respect it. They know that it's something beneficial in this world and in the hereafter. Right? So you got all of that. Right? To earn knowledge, you don't even have to have money. You just have to study. You just need effort. Whereas to earn money, you probably need money to start earning money and a lot of you know, hard work you need for both. But you get more people who will respect knowledge on 
there's less effort to be placed in learning knowledge to be respected because you don't even have to have too much knowledge nowadays to be respected because there's such a dearth of knowledge that anybody who does a few good videos speaks well throws in a few Arabic terms can be considered a scholar Allah protect us it's it's you know you can see people like that Allah protects us from being of those so he says that so toil and struggle in purifying your heart from them if you prove unable then you will prove unable with all else do not think that you will be safe in seeking religious knowledge by merely a sound intention in your heart if your heart if your heart has the slightest bit of envy ostentation or narcissism he is telling the ulama that your knowledge will not benefit you if you have these problems and knowledge as we see is something close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something religious so how can any other action of ours spending in the path of Allah etc benefit us if we have the same problems if scholars can't benefit because of that how can anybody else benefit either his discussion stops here but basically what he's saying underscores the imperative for those who study even religious knowledge to also embark on trying to correct their intention and their spirituality these things have to go hand in hand <clears throat> so let's uh, let's look at that for a moment somebody let's just say somebody he's about 25 years old she may be 27 years old just got married now or 30 years old wants to study some deen so you start studying the deen now you're suddenly gaining an asset of knowledge so you suddenly start feeling especially if you're kind of a show-off type of person I mean different if a person is kind of a very humble person to start with they're going to be less likely to have that problem our nature does play a part in here Allah makes us all with different characteristics then whatever you gain afterwards just perpetuates that so that's that's what it is so let's just say somebody he's working decides to go and start knowledge starts taking a few classes and everything like that mashallah gets really interested in the knowledge the study you know and mashallah wow you know I'm gonna study that tafsir now and I can actually start reading these books and you know, and uh, now at work, people when they ask questions, I can even give a few answers. Yeah, your wudu is broken, or your salat. Uh, you know, you need to correct that. There, I'm going to do a halaqa at salat at work, and you know, at university or whatever it is. Right? You start doing that. So, mashallah, there's one asset you've just gained, which is knowledge. You're helping people. You're getting a position. People are going to respect you. They're going to come to you. You know, when somebody comes to you with a question, you feel good. You feel important, right? Until it gets too much. And then you say, no, don't come to me. Then you start, you know, um, not giving your number out. <clears throat> so, clearly, you know, when people want you, then you feel important. It makes you feel important. Now, that's just one passage. That's just one way of doing things. The thing which is missing that would make all of this beneficial, not just to the people as, as it is, but beneficial for your own self to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is to be able to <clears throat> keep it contained and make it clearly contained for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the difficulty. Learning knowledge could be easy, but learning how to contain that knowledge within a certain role for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the difficulty.
The reason that's difficult is that it's not very tangible. Learning knowledge, okay, if I read this book, if I read this book, if I sit with him and if I learn this, I'm going to know something. You can easily tell. How do you measure your sincerity? How do you measure that I'm showing off or not? That's, that's the difficult part. Okay, so now let's look at the treatment. The, it says that the treatment of this type of narcissism is most difficult and challenging since its possessor deems it as knowledge, not ignorance. This is talking about a person who's on a particular position and they don't want to listen to anybody else. They don't think they can be wrong. They're excited about it. You know, the person I spoke about in the beginning. It's very difficult to remove that kind of narcissism because when the person who possesses that kind of narcissism thinks that this is knowledge and not ignorance, that it's a blessing and not a calamity, and it's sound health and not uh, sickness, then he's not going to go and seek out a treatment. He's not going to pay attention to a spiritual doctor that diagnose and treat diseases of the heart. Now, how do you think we can correct this kind of problem? How do you think we can correct this kind of problem? What is the first step, do you think? Yeah, but how do you, I mean, take account of your actions, but what makes you want to do that? Why should you take account of your actions? When you feel very comfortable that I'm, I'm cool, I'm fine, I'm nice, you know, I know my stuff, so why would you want to even go and do that? Sometimes I feel that there's emptiness or that connection that you don't have. You okay, so something wrong has to happen, that means. You have to suffer a disadvantage, that is one way. That you actually start suffering some weaknesses, you start suffering some setbacks, you start suffering some inner disquietude and, and strangeness and then you start feeling like uh, you know then then our arrogance start going down a bit and then you want to open up now what happens to a person who that doesn't happen to because that's one way and that's if you suffer a setback right that way you in hindsight you'll know that Allah wanted Allah that was Allah doing that to you because you know you must have done something good to, in, uh, to invoke that kind of a feeling That's the difficulty isn't it There's so many people out there But they're not going to listen You can't go and tell them Subhanallah Subhanallah The one way is that You hear something in the passing You know You're not interested maybe Because if you are interested You're already beyond that level right you, You've already interested But if you're not interested then maybe somebody was talking and you saw some, something happen to somebody else and that gave us Ibrah as well that there was some other arrogant person who this happened to sometimes we don't even learn from that subhanallah I think at the end of the day it's a matter of tawfiq right? for you to be in the right place at the right time that you hear something that makes you reflect and that pierces the armor that we have we're no longer Iron Man, we're vulnerable, right? That I could be wrong, wow, I could be wrong. SubhanAllah, it's a matter of tawfiq. How do you get that tawfiq though? How do you get that tawfiq? Well, yes, you have to expose yourself to tawfiq by wanting to listen. But what gets you to a discourse like this? See what I'm saying? What gets you? Why would you want to come to a discourse like this? 
how do you get the closeness? Do you understand? It's just like, where does it all come from at the end of the day? Why aren't the majority of people thinking that way? Well, you see, one thing is that what Allah mentions, if you do good deeds for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you try, then Allah will open up the paths, whether that comes straight away or it comes after a while. Any good deed will be recompensed. Any good deed that we do, you'll get something for it. Right? For example, you may do a good deed and the benefit and the barakah of it will come into your household. The benefit and barakah will come into your children. The benefit and the blessing of it will come into your business. All good deeds are like that. But again, it still begs the question, how do you get the tawfiq to do good deed? It's a matter of tawfiq. Means at the end of the day, That Allah is not going to change the people until they want to make that change. That desire must come up. But again, the question is, where does that desire come from? Right? Who, for a lot of people, that desire comes from maybe hearing something or seeing an experience or having an experience. Again, it's all a matter of, it just tells us how complex, I'm just trying to say how complex the world is and how complex our whole thought process is and then how the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gets. I don't, I don't want us to think that we don't have a room in this. It's just, I'm saying that those who do have a concern, they should really focus on that concern and try to get something out of it. Because that's a, and they should do shukr that Allah has given them a concern. Because as you, you guys said, uh, having the concern in the first place, I think one of the conclusions is that having a concern in the first place, that is the beginning to all of this. If you don't have the concern, your mind is going to be shut. Having the concern is important. And of course, you know, these kind of majlis or uh, listening to something or whatever, all of this kind of helps. But we ask Allah, we ask Allah in our du'as that... Allah gives us an opening of this type in an easy way rather than a difficult way. If you have to go through a really tough calamity and then you come out of that with this, right? I'm sure there could be better, easier ways that we get to a better, better level within ourselves on our own rather than having to be put into the dumps first to do it. Do you see what I'm saying? And I believe that having... Uh, you know, reading the du'as of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam are very, very powerful. Because the collection of du'as of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam are such that they are very comprehensive and they ask about everything. Like if you look at the Hizb al-Azam, right? And if you look at the meanings of the du'as, there will be things in there that you will know are beneficial for you but that you've never thought of asking Allah. There are a huge number of things in there. The whole book is like that. That you would never have thought of asking Allah those things because you never thought in those terms. But when you actually then look at it that way, you realize, hey, that is what I need. So, uh, essentially learning more about our deen and the Prophet ﷺ, that's where, that he's our source of guidance. And even his du'as could be so powerful by just focusing on the du'as. And the du'as of the Prophet ﷺ, they teach us the, the human and Lord relationship. What do we need from him? What should we be asking him? What do we need from ourselves, and what can He give us? That's what you get the uh, you get the benefit of those things from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala grant us the ability to continue uh, with whatever He has given us, and to allow us to uh, even get better at it, inshallah. And uh, may Allah allow us to may Allah forget, uh, protect us from 
failings and from the ignorance that's mentioned here, uh, the narcissism, being excited about something we have while forgetting him, forgetfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the challenge of our life. Allahumma anta salamu minka salam tabarak ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan wa ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimin. Subhanallah al-a'li al-a'la al-wahhab. Jazallahu anna muhammadan ma huwa ahlu. Oh Allah we ask you for your guidance. Oh Allah we ask you for your light. Oh Allah we ask you for your forgiveness. O oh Allah, grant us your forgiveness. O oh, most merciful of the merciful ones, grant us your mercy. O oh Allah, cover us with your mercy. Place your light in our hearts, in our eyes, in our ears. O oh Allah, allow us to see through your light, to hear through your light. O oh Allah, to think through your light. Fill our hearts with your light. O oh Allah, fill our hearts with your love and the love of those who love you. O oh Allah, grant us pure thoughts in our heart. O oh Allah, supplant the evil that goes through our hearts with only the good things. O oh Allah, allow us and give us the immunity from evil, from the immunity of evil thoughts and resolutions. O oh Allah, allow us to be correct in our life. Allow us to be truthful in our life. O oh Allah, make us of the Siddiqeen. O oh Allah, make us of the Siddiqeen. O oh Allah, grant us an understanding of the realities of this world so that we can understand what is useful and beneficial for us. O oh Allah, do not make us of the deceived ones. Do not make us of the deceived ones. Do not make us of those who will be wretched in the hereafter. O oh Allah, make us of the fortunate ones. Make us of those whose actions are beloved by you. O oh Allah, make us of those who love you. And make us of those who are loved by you. O oh Allah, allow us to do those deeds which draw us closer to you. Grant us love for those deeds that are of obedience to you. O oh Allah, grant us hatred for those deeds that are of disobedience. O oh Allah, we ask you to assist us. It is difficult for us. O oh Allah, we make tawbah in the morning and by the evening it's broken. We make tawbah in the evening and by the morning it's broken. O oh Allah, you have given us that which we can never thank you sufficiently for. O oh Allah, you have given us a sense of security, you have given us a sense of safety, you have given us that which we need to survive. O oh Allah, you've placed in an abode of safety. O oh Allah, grant us safety of our Iman. O oh Allah, physically we are safe and sound, but O oh Allah, spiritually, we don't want to be of the wretched ones. We don't want to be of those who are of the losers in the hereafter. Make us of those who are successful, both outwardly and inwardly. O oh Allah, just as you have given us clothing for our bodies and food for our stomachs. O oh Allah, we need your light for our heart. O oh Allah, grant us the light for our heart. What good will it be at the end of our life if we had the food and we had the clothing and we had the wealth and the riches of this world but nothing to take with us for the, for the hereafter? O oh Allah, what use would that be for us? O oh Allah, grant us discernment and understanding of what is truly valuable for us. And give us the ability and tawfiq to actually pursue those things. O oh Allah, these are the months of hajj. Hujjaja already in your house. O oh Allah, hujjaja already in, your, in the city of your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There will be others who will be going. O oh Allah, we ask that you make all of their journeys easy and blessing, a blessing. 
oh Allah, there will be just a, a small amount, a small percentage of the Muslim Ummah that will be there from the various different countries around the world. Oh Allah, those will be the delegations from all of those communities to your house. Oh Allah, allow them to be infused with your mercy, with your blessing, with your rahmah and all the other secrets that are found there in your holy city in the holy cities and allow them to come back and then benefit their community with those oh allah accept and grant us an accepted hajj those who have been for hajj oh allah we ask that you allow us to go over and over again oh allah and those who have not been oh allah facilitate for us not for the, for them not uh, for them to be able to go as soon as possible O oh Allah, we ask that you bless the entire Muslim world. O oh Allah, there is a lot of commotion in different parts of the world. We ask that you bring back humanity within the human, bring back the balance and the mizan within, the, within humanity. And O oh Allah, you make us forces for change. You allow us to leave a legacy that is beneficial for us and that is beneficial for our hereafter. You protect us and our children and our progeny until the day of judgment, that you grant us closeness to you you make all of the stages easy for us and you facilitate entry into jannatul firdaus oh allah grant us what we have asked for and oh allah grant us what we haven't asked for but we should have asked you for oh allah allow us to correct uh, correct these blameworthy traits from our heart oh allah some we may recognize but there are many probably which we do not recognize oh allah grant us the prophetic paradigm Allow us to learn from our messenger and truly make him truly make him our source for learning and our source for guidance for everything that we have and do in this world. Oh Allah, grant us the karima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. And oh Allah, we ask you finally to send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and grant us his company in the hereafter. Oh Allah, accept our du'as, bless the place in which we're sitting, allow us to return all forgiven. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillah.